This morning, we're looking ahead to 2020 with Dallas Representative State Senator Royce West. Plus, he weighs in on the effort to cut crime in Dallas. We set out on a, on a two, three, four month journey to solicit somebody to run, find somebody to run that we could get behind and back and have faith in. And uh, nobody else was foolish enough to do it. Developer turned mayor George Fuller talks about the future of McKinney and his concerns from the legislative session. Plus, you don't want to miss our roundtable on the first 2020 primary debates happening this week. Lone Star Politics starts right now. This is Lone Star Politics from NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News. Good Sunday morning. I'm Julie Fine from NBC5, along with Gromer Jeffers, political reporter with the Dallas Morning News. Hi, Gromer. Hey, Julie. It's, How are you? It's good. You How are you? Cool? It's really got hot quickly. <laughs> I think what happened is we kind of didn't have a spring, and then now it's like sweltering. Yeah. Well, we'll get used to yeah. it. And it's a hot political season, too. <laughs> That's right. Texas lawmakers are back home after the legislative session as 2020 kicks into high gear. This morning, State Senator Royce West joins us. Thank you so much for being hey here, guys, Senator. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. How are you? I'm great. The first guest ever on Lone Star That's Politics. exactly right. That's I was. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That was uh, how many years ago? Oh, That's yeah. I right. say that. Well, welcome back. Thank you very much. Let's begin with this. Some reports that you are interested in running for Senate. Are you planning to run for Senate? Senate. Let me let me say this. Uh, if I do run, you'll know by next month. Okay. And you'll announce it right here, naturally. If I do run, <laughs> you'll know by next month. <laughs> you know, what, what's going to make you decide? I mean, uh, frankly, what will make me decide is the um, breadth and depth of the support, being able to raise the money necessary and put together the team that I need in order to get it done. What are you hearing? I, I'm sure you talked to some folks about it. What are you hearing for, as you go as you do your deliberations? What are you hearing from folks about what they want in a candidate? Well, uh, let me let me say this. I don't necessarily want to get into this discussion right All now. Right, okay. Uh, if I decide to run, I will make certain that you are the first to know. Oh, okay. He, he knows our tricks. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been thinking about doing this, Senator? Uh, Again, if I decide to run, we'll know we next have, month. We can go into all of that stuff if I, if I decide to run. All right, okay. Senator. Thank you very much. Okay. We're going to move on from here. Let's talk a little bit about the legislature. Sure. You're back. Talk to me about what you think worked and what didn't. Uh, I think what worked is that we kept an eye on the eight ball as it relates to issues that need to get resolved um, in terms of uh, education reform, property taxes, school safety. Those issues uh, were not partisan issues. They were bipartisan issues. And the fact of the matter is, is that I want to make certain that uh, persons know that uh, had we not, had Democrats not won seats in the House, then we would, there may have very well have been a different type of outcome. But because of Democrats having an opportunity to sit at the table, work with their Repu Republican colleagues, we were able to get it done. And that's what we need to be doing in the state of Texas. So I assume that will be part of the message, the Democratic Party message in 2020. Absolutely. Uh, as it relates to Texas uh, and, and trying to take the House. That's what do you think your chances are? I think they're, they're great. I think that when people begin to say that um, Beto O'Rourke's um, campaign was an aberration, no, it's part of a trend. And uh, you'll see more and more people in suburban communities 
that will um, work with Democrats in order to make certain that we uh, get Democrats elected. But Democrats cannot be far to the left on a whole multitude of issues. Democrats have got to make certain that they're willing to sit down and work across the aisle in order to get things done. And I think that if we get that type of message out there, we'll, we'll be successful. So North Texas will be ground zero again, right? Focus on picking up seats in Tarrant, holding seats in Dallas, that sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Right. What about the presidential race? How involved will you be? How involved will I be in the presidential race? Let me just say this. I will be involved in the election of Democrats in 2020. Right, so you're waiting for a nominee then? And for, for, I will be involved <laughs> in uh, getting Democrats elected. Let in me ask you: What does it take then to beat Joe Biden? I mean, to beat Donald Trump? Democrats being unified and us having a, a turnout that I think that we will. I think you'll see unprecedented turnouts uh, this time around on both sides, but more so on the Democratic side. Given what happened, the dust up between Cory Booker and Joe Biden last week. Uh, are, are you worried that maybe this process with all the candidates will result in Democrats not being unified? And you know the dust up. The sure, I, I, I understand what you're saying. And, I, and that's all it is, is a dust up. Uh, Joe Biden, we, we can't, number three, Joe Biden is not a racist. I, I, I agree with the works that he's done. Um, there's always an issue that may come up. People may respond to it inappropriately, but Joe Biden is no racist. Uh, in terms of making certain that our group of candidates, great group, we've got to narrow it down and focus on three or four. And I think if, once we do that, we'll begin to see the Democratic Party come together. Turning to the city of Dallas, talk to me a little bit about what needs to be done regarding crime. Well, I, I think that uh, the uh, mayor has taken, obviously, um, Eric Johnson, former representative Eric Johnson is now the mayor of the great city of Dallas, and I congratulate him for that. Uh, I, I want to see what the plan is coming from the city and what role we as legislators can, can play. I, and I think it's important that we use academic resources um, not to come in and do another study, we don't need that, but to kind of look across the country in cities similarly situated to determine what best practices that um, they put in place that have been able to mitigate, or uh, I shouldn't say mitigate, but at least uh, help drive down crime. Yeah, I was at the uh, barbershop the other day. Yes, come I on, still what, go what, to the barbershop. <laughs> how, how, how long were you there? <laughs> A short time, but 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 uh, they they told me that DPS officers were already talking to them about you know crime in the area. This was in South Dallas. Right, exactly. What do you think about DPS officers? I, I think I think you know we recognize that we have a we have a uh, shortage of police officers in the city. Right, and so we need to make certain that we. Uh, call on other resources in order to make certain that we get people out in the streets or get resources out, police officers out, in order to deal with the crime. And I had a meeting with the, the chief of police probably a couple of weeks ago, from a couple of weeks ago, and she was, as she has in the public, said these are the hot areas in the city and we need to put resources, resources being police officers there, in order to help drive down crime. Now, understand that a lot of these murders are in the commission of another felony. A lot of these deal with individuals that know one another. So there's a great amount of uh, stress in communities uh, when we end up having um, domestic violence, aggravated assaults. Many of those aggravated assaults are individuals that know one another. So you have the pressure of um, uh, what's going on in the family. Maybe someone's not working. Maybe there are bills that need to be paid. Maybe there are individuals that just came back from prison that can't find a job. 
but are responsible for paying pro parole fees and other fees associated with their incarceration, and they don't have the ability in order to make ends meet, that is, take care of those responsibilities and take care of their families. Is crime, Senator, the biggest challenge facing the new mayor? I think that it is at this point in time. You know, the, the fact is, is that we've got to get it under control. Because if we have a city that's uh, crime ridden, then it's going to impact the ability to do economic development and bring other businesses to the city. Senator, in a few seconds we have left, you fought for inclusion your whole career. When you look and see an African-American mayor, city manager, police chief, sheriff, even the Dallas Citizens Council, the person who's leading that African-American. What are, you, what, are you, what are your thoughts? I'm proud, okay, of that accomplishment by people in the entire city of Dallas. I'm proud to see uh, Latinos on the city right. council. I'm proud to see persons that are LGBTQ on the city council. Now, the question is, what will we do with it? Will we use this as an experiment to show people that even if you're against African Americans, LGBTQ, Hispanics, that those individuals can in fact get the job done for all citizens in the state of Texas and I believe under Eric's leadership we'll get that done. Senator, come back and see us. Thank you so much. I look forward to it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Next month. Well, at least 10 minutes in the chair. At least 10 minutes in the Still ahead, developer and musician turned mayor George Fuller joins us in studio with a look at the future of McKinney. That's next. And later, a closer look at the first primary debates of 2020 and how the crowded field of Democrats is being broken up into a two-night event. We'll be right back. Joining us this morning, the mayor of McKinney, George Fuller. Thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. First time. It is my first time. Well, we're glad to have you. Uh, the legislature just finished up. How does this uh, affect you as a mayor? You know, it's uh, Texas legislator, uh, legislative uh, sessions these days are tough on cities, so... Um, you know, we fared okay, but uh, a lot of legislation got passed that I think is going to have adverse effects on cities. Like, what, what's your biggest concern there? Man, one of the biggest concerns we have right now is um, it was a bill that was introduced, sponsored by uh, Phelan, 2439, I believe. And it, uh, it was pitched as a bill that would, um, would not allow cities to mandate uh, specific vendors that builders, developers, homeowners had to use. And, uh, and, and I think his, one of his comments were, cities shouldn't be picking winners and losers in companies like many, I think you use Acme Brick as an example. And uh, I don't know anyone who wouldn't agree with that, but that's not what the bill is. The bill has nothing to do with specific vendors. It limits a city's ability to regulate materials and building standards. And, uh, and, and we're in a city like McKinney where we require 85% um, masonry, for example, or different types of materials in different areas, uh, no longer. If it's a, an approved material by a, a model code, Anyone can use anything, anywhere. What do, what do you make of the uh, push in the legislature to cap uh, property tax revenue? And, and they're doing it, they say, to control uh, spiking property taxes. What, what do you make of that? Yeah, you, you know, again, a lot of times for me, I see a lot of this legislation is, is sound bites and it looks great on right. a bumper sticker. But um, SB2, for example, which capped at 3.5, right. of course, they now call it a, a, a vote trigger, if you will. Um, since I've been mayor, we've been under that cap by 40 percent. So it's, that's not the issue. But there's many other damaging parts of that bill that will ultimately might affect cities like McKinney and certainly cities all across the state. Um, people that uh, are, are thinking that they're going to see lower property taxes. They won't see lower property taxes. 
um, especially in the city of McKinney that's already below the cap. But if you were to, and you were a city that was at the top at 8.5 and now you're 3.5, um, you'd see a $5 savings a month. Um, how is the city going to mitigate that? Well, maybe they'll remove homestead exemptions, which count against the cap. So where you save $5 a month, you now spend another $350 a year. But in a, in a city like, Kinney, like McKinney, McKinney is growing so quickly. Aren't you getting more money anyways to work with? Oh, sure. And again, like I said, for us, we've been, we've been under that proposed cap. Um, but one of the ways that we grow as a city, and a real important part of our growth, it's our growth strategy, is long-term sustainable tax relief. So how do we do that as a, right. as a community? Well, it's business and commercial tax base, building that base. And we've actually done that very successfully in the last few years. But there's incentives that need to be uh, offered. We're competing with cities and, and other states on a regular basis. Um, for us to, uh, to now have that count against a revenue cap, we may have to uh, rethink incentives, rethink our strategies in attracting corporate and business um, uh, businesses to our community. And that's our long-term tax strategy. Yeah, McKinney, rapid growth. And it's an exciting time, it's I would imagine. Yeah. How do you manage, though, the exploding growth versus keeping McKinney, McKinney? You know, um, well, first, we, we continue to fight legislation that's introduced all the time, like legislation where they tried to take away the city's, our ability to regulate um, uh, uh, developers from just tearing down trees across the city. That's real important to cities like McKinney. Um, but we, we keep our eye on the ball. You know, we have uh, lots of opportunity with growth and, and business and commercial development, lots of room to expand. We're, we're half built out. Um, but we have to remember who we are. And we are a city that puts a, a, a high priority on quality of life. And we are a cultural and arts district. We, um, we have more open spaces probably than any community in North Texas. And as long as we keep our, our eye on that, and, and that's what attracts residents, our, our great school systems, um, we, we keep our eye on that. We manage our growth. What about managing the traffic? The traffic? Ooh, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one. Well, you know, traffic, though, is changing. What we see um, today in traffic and, and how we prepare for traffic today is going to look very different in 10 years and 15 years. And autonomous vehicles, uh, there's many different types of modes of transportation that in 20 years uh, we're going to look back and and the thought of all of us driving cars at the same time will probably be a, a distant memory, quite frankly. So, um, but but traffic, uh, even today's world, and we, we have to, of course, we have to have infrastructure dollars, and we have to work well with the state and the county um, and, and federally for uh, for tax dollars, or excuse me, for infrastructure dollars to uh, to build roads. We need roads. Quickly, what's, a couple of seconds. What's more fun for you, music or politics? You know, politics is fantastic. Music uh, feeds my soul. All right. Mayor, thanks so much for being with Thank us. You. And still ahead, we're looking toward the week's Democratic debate, a breakdown of the two nights in Miami for the crowded field of candidates when Lone Star Politics continues. The first primary debates of 2020 take place this week. The crowded field of Democrats have been broken up into two nights starting Wednesday night at 8 o'clock right here on NBC5. And Brian Curtis joins us to talk more about what we can expect. Hi, Brian. Hi, guys. Good to see you. Okay, what do you want to see and what do you expect to see? Here's what I'm interested to see. Who goes after Joe Biden, right? right. Because nobody's really done it full tilt to this point, and he's the clear front runner. People have been very careful. But at some point, somebody has to go after Joe Biden. It'll be interesting to see if somebody does. I'm yeah. interested to see if it's Representative Beto O'Rourke, who basically 
he's gone I believe the furthest in going after him when he talked about if this is the time period for Joe Biden. So yeah, I'm Cory curious. Booker's done it a little right, bit, right. Kamala Harris, but nobody's really gone full tilt yet. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if they make the case uh, during the uh, next week, this week's debates, and how far they go because you, you got to strike a balance, right? You want you don't want to be seen as as almost desperate because he's the the front runner right. and the clear front runner, but at some point. You're gonna have to try to take them down, sure. right? And and so we'll see if if they go all in for this debate or sort of pace themselves for future debates to come. I'm also interested to see if there's a moment where somebody does something to really try to set themselves apart, especially those who are scoring one, two percent. Exactly. Debates have that potential for that breakout moment. And there are a lot of candidates, let's be honest, who have very little to lose at this point because they are in that low single digit range. Yeah. And it's so many candidates. And I think that's what about the process, which is I think could be problematic. So many candidates, everybody's going to have time to answer questions. But let's face it, you know, we really don't need to hear from everybody, right? There are some candidates that are so far out of it that they're kind of, I hate to say it, in a way at this point, there's a top tier. And I don't know if these debates are going to lend for us to hear enough of, from those top tier candidates, but we'll see. Yeah, and I just think it's plain weird on some level that we have to yes. split this up over two exactly, nights, right? right? I can't wait till we get to the point where we can at least get everybody on the same, on the stage, same stage, right? And the Republicans had to go through this in 2016. You know, it helped to me, it helped give rise, gave, give rise to Trump because he was the titan on the stage and everybody else, you know. Yeah. Now you can see here that um, Representative O'Rourke and former HUD Secretary Julian Castro are on the same night. We have right. the Texans right. on the same night. I mean, both of them need to have a strong night. And they do because they're in that low single digit range. And right. it's been interesting to see that um, Julian Castro has never really caught fire to this point and Beto O'Rourke has done nothing but be on a downhill slide. Yeah, but particularly he, he did well the breakout, right. the, and now he's just, you know, just treading water. But, but it, this is his opportunity, because when you look at the lineup for that night, you know, you have, what, Elizabeth Warren, I on guess, the, is the... On the Elizabeth Warren the, is on the, the first night. Right. So we'll see how it happens. Yeah. I mean, the second night, you have Joe Biden, you have Kamala Harris, you have Pete Buttigieg, and you have Bernie Sanders. Yeah. The headliners. Yeah, right? yeah. In, in so many that, ways. That Sanders, Biden. That'll be deal interesting. It's going to be fun to watch. What about President Trump? Though we talked a lot about the he just kicked off, officially kicked right. off his campaign. We watched that. We watched that, and, and we discussed it. And you know, you felt the surprise was no surprises. Exactly. I was struck by how similar it was to a 2016 campaign stump speech. I mean, there was very little new content in that, but it certainly was red meat for his base. So that was clearly his goal. He's running the same race, right? Exactly. Which is they're after us. They're after me, which means that they're after you. And to the extent that that all these investigations going on by the Democrats in Washington, we'll see what kind of impact it will have. We still don't know about impeachment, right? So yeah, we'll so see. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of ground to cover here. Ryan, please be a regular with us during this I'm season. Happy to be we here. need it's you. Always fun. And that's Thank all you. the time we have. Meet the Press and Chuck Todd's exclusive interview with President Trump is next. We'll see you next Sunday.